What's up, ladies? Welcome to the Urban Christian Woman Podcast. I'm Tashiba Oliver, and Leah Ross is my co-host. Listen, living as an urban Christian woman is a great gift and an amazing mission, which is why we need to be equipped for the everyday life. So whether you're hanging with the kiddos, washing dishes, checking emails, at the gym, or maybe even on your train commute, keep listening because God's word has the truth for your everyday life. Welcome to the Urban Christian Woman. Colossians 3, 18 through 4, 1. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Welcome back, ladies. What's up, ladies? How you doing? This is your co-host, Leah Ross. And I'm the other co-host, Toshiba Oliver. Yeah, and you are here listening to the Urban Christian Woman Podcast, and we are so glad you're here listening with us today. Yes, we are so grateful that you're listening with us. Y'all, we just have to say that Every time we get uh, behind this mic, I think there is a reality of how we're living out what we are sharing with you. And so we have been praying that as we uh, help plant the Lord's seeds or water them through the word, that he will provide the increase in your hearts and minds. Here is how you can be a blessing to us today. If the urban Christian woman has been a blessing to you, we would love for you to go and leave a review or put some stars behind it Mm -hmm. or share it with a friend. We're just really trying to uh, get the word out more and more about the urban Christian woman. And so, yeah, empower women in power. So be a blessing to us that way so that um, these resources can get into the hands of other women. And so drum Mm -hmm. roll, Mm -hmm. we are on Colossians chapter three, Mm -hmm. part two. two. If you have, hopefully you've been with us through this journey of studying Colossians. It's been such a blessing and so life-giving. And while I sit here with a coffee Mm -hmm. mug and you will probably hear me sip at some point, (laughs) um, we're going to be talking about Colossians uh, chapter three, part two today. So Leah, jump us in, girl. We ready. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to the last episode, that's the first part of Colossians three, I would highly recommend you do that. We're jumping in today, starting in verse 18. And Mm -hmm. we're actually going to go through the beginning of four because it's sort of a cohesive passage together. So our big takeaway today is that living faithfully as an urban Christian woman is a call to living counterculturally in our roles and responsibilities. Yeah. Yep. Leah, you're absolutely right. And piggybacking off of the previous podcast, they really operate in tandem. Mm -hmm. Um, We just decided to separate these two parts of the text, but 
here's what we know is that when we are actually living life in the new self, we are able to live more faithfully. And because we're living life in the new self, we now have a call Mm -hmm. to live counterculturally in our roles and responsibilities. Just a quick question that I have for you. Mm -hmm. Do you find it hard in today's culture to live counterculturally as an urban Christian woman and why? Yes, absolutely. I think so. I think what is pressing in at almost every moment in every corner is sort of this saturation of culture, right? Mm -hmm. And it can be anywhere. It can be in the small places of the media that I consume. It can be uh, my family that doesn't sort of have the same lens of life that I do. Mm -hmm. It can come in all these different ways. And it comes in ways that through like things that I enjoy or people that are loving. And so it doesn't, Mm -hmm. it's not like this big enemy monster goblin thing that I'm like, no, in Jesus name, you know, it comes in these ways that are very subtle Mm -hmm. and are often even appealing. Mm. Um, And so what I, I, I think, what do I, how do I feel about that? And what do I do about that? It's like having this lens and like we talked about in the last episode, seeking and setting. That's right. Is what checks my mind on, am I desiring culture standard Mm -hmm. over God standard? Am I setting my feet on the Lord's path or the path of culture? Okay. And just to get wet people's appetite to go back and listen, Mm -hmm. is seeking and setting something that you just do one time a day? Just tell me what it looks like for you, like in practice. and setting is, I need thee every hour. (laughs) That's what it is for me. (laughs) Even on the way to come and record. For me, it really is uh, a posture of, I need thee every hour. Um, Even on my drive over here, it was just, that was my cry. That was my um, song of just like the seeking and the setting is a moment by moment thing. Because like I said, culture is always pressing. The expectations of how I should um, verbally respond to my husband or how I should respond to my kids or how I should um, Mm. deal with this relationship that has become hostile like there is an expectation of how i should based on culture and there is an expectation on how i can based on christ Mm -hmm. so the seeking and the setting is the only way i actually am able to put on that lens and and christ empowers me then to respond in these very practical moments and relationships in a way that reflects kingdom instead mm-hmm. of culture. So because we have that foundation of seeking the things that are above and not mm-hmm. the things of the earth, there is this call to new life yeah. that is here. Yeah. And the framework for spiritual li- living is now in its most practical way. Right. And so right. what Paul does is Paul lays out how Christian households should reflect Christ to their culture. Mm-hmm. So a fellow member type equality was not the rule of the culture at the time, but Paul turns culture on its head and says back in verse 11 that Christ is in all. That means that we are made equally mm-hmm. in God's image and the roles are different for people based on their relationships and responsibilities. So Christ doesn't reject the household rules of the culture, but what he does is he restores them Mm -hmm. and it is to be being transformed beyond recognition of what the previous structure was to reflect himself. So where there were old ways, Mm -hmm. there now becomes new ways ways. Mm -hmm. and the new ways usurp the cultural cultural. 
the cultural mm-hmm. norm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. yes. So, and I love what you're saying. Like Christ, he is at the head of this. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's why I think it is sort of good in a sense that we split this into two parts because you have in, uh, back in verse 11 and in the first part of Colossians three, mm-hmm. this sort of, um, foundation sort of understanding of mm-hmm. what it is to put on the new self. Mm-hmm. And so we have this sort of mindset of what that, of what that looks like in the characteristics of compassion and love right. and all these things. Right. And now it goes from foundational theory to practical boots on the ground relationship living. Mm-hmm. And, and Paul talks about, even names these all these different dynamics all these different relationships and exactly how christ transforms it to reflect himself yeah and the way that i like to put it when leah and i were just reviewing some of our notes was in the old way the culture is lord of your house but in the new way Jesus mm-hmm. is Lord over your house. Mm-hmm. He is Lord over everything. He is abiding in you and through the ways in yeah. which you connect one towards another. Right. So right. what was happening in the culture and what was the difference before right. Christ? Right. So the, the culture, I feel like you could answer that a little bit more because your sort of like thought and research was around that. Mm-hmm. What was the framework of the culture at the time and what was the most important? And then we can talk about like the difference, the difference of that before Christ is just like you were saying, who was Lord over the household and what did that look like? Yeah. So in, um, when it came to the context of, um, uh, sexuality, where there were old ways of distorted sexuality and destructive speech, we see that Christ brings in mercy, generosity, forgiveness, and love that is um, cross-cultural and socioeconomically, mm-hmm. uh, cross-culturally and cross-socioeconomically. Where there were the old ways of the patriarchal home, um, where the men held the power of life and death over their home, Um, The new way where Jesus becomes Lord over the house is that the husband is subject to Jesus. And so the wife allows the husband to lead knowing um, that her well-being is really Mm -hmm. under the structure and the auspices and the authority of Christ's word and her husband being led by and subject to Jesus where children were seen as objects. Um, they're now um, being led towards maturity and respect. And there's this raising of children with patience and understanding mm-hmm. where um, slaves um, are honoring um, their masters for the sake of just because there then becomes this posture of mm-hmm. Jesus is my true master. So regardless of what is taking place, mm-hmm. um, I'm serving Christ versus serving the physical uh, person that I see in front of me. I'm not looking to my boss. I'm looking towards Christ Mm -hmm. and it is reflecting how I see my boss Mm -hmm. um, uh, for the glory of his name. And then where slaves aren't property in the context of the master, they now become a fellow member of the body of Christ and they honor and embrace um, the love that they have um, as being um, in the same body, Mm -hmm. walking in unity. And Mm -hmm. so they value them not as property, Mm -hmm. but with 
dignity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Christ doesn't abolish the household structure, but he restores it and transforms it beyond recognition of his previous Roman led yeah. cultural rule yeah. structure. Yeah. I, I have to interject this here and I hope that we can run sort of this, uh, with this faithfully, mm-hmm. but I know for urban Christian women, the concept of seeing a, the word slaves and masters in scripture can be kind of triggering, Ooh. right? Oh, majorly triggering, majorly triggering. Okay. <laughs> we're going with majorly. <laughs> it can be majorly triggering. Yeah. You know I, what I'm, I'm saying? I'm saying it is for me. <laughs> and I'm saying that that might be the case for other urban Christian women out there. And I'm, de- we're descendants of slaves. Yeah. You understand what I'm yeah. saying? Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. So that for me, how do I, how do I embrace this passage, this specific one in scripture as I sort of have that like triggering response? How do I wrestle with this? I mean, what is the, what is the like mindset for me as I read something like that? You tell me what is your mindset. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Here I am clapping on the mic. I apologize. people. (laughs) This is about to get really real. Yes. Um, What is your mindset when you look at this? mm. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you mine afterwards, but yes. I want to know your okay. mindset. So one of the things I realize is I do more, um, spend more time and just do more mileage and in in-depth Bible study is that the Bible is not, was never meant to be sort of this like pristine, like only good, holy, perfect examples are written. The Bible was written and was inspired by God to be, to be a, sort of an, an encapsulation of his message and his words for us about himself in the context of the culture, right? Mm-hmm. And so none That's of these things right. aren't washed over. The way, if you look back in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, like God's right. law was very, very clear about how people should be serving other people. That's right. And that slavery was never a part of God's law. Right. It was never a part of his intention. Right. And in fact, he forbid mm-hmm. the people of Israel yes. to maintain such a structure in their yes. society. So much so that there was a law that said, like, if someone becomes, says, yes, I'm going to mm-hmm. come on as a slave, yeah. there was a seven year time period yes. and there was a festival Mm -hmm. to release release. that slave Mm -hmm. and either they could move on their way or Mm -hmm. they could become a part of the a part of the household y'all hear this y'all hear this yes go on girl yes so in reading that i think there's two things that i need to like know and see is that first of all god is very clear about the treatment and the dignity is never sort of put aside, right? Mm -hmm, Even mm -hmm. when these sort of imperfect structures, even when these very imperfect structures exist in culture, God says, okay, you know, as as my people, I've commanded you in a certain way. As free people, you have the freedom to choose whether to fully abide by my law or to kind of mix and match your own sort of thing, influenced by culture. Yes. But he says, "This this is my command towards dignity and this is my command towards treatment. And additionally, mm-hmm. like he enters into redeeming come on a construct that was I mean, so let me stop. Redemption is there. So additionally, the concept of slaves and masters in the Bible was specifically towards bond servants. And I think sometimes it's even translated that way, bond servants rather than slaves. 
And so the concept of a bond servant is someone who is working off a type of debt mm-hmm. or um, working to for a specific means, right? Mm-hmm. They they've mm-hmm. agreed to sort of this this binding role mm-hmm. based on working off a debt or working towards something. Yes. So there was a goal to, to be reached for this work. Mm-hmm. And that is completely different from the American concept of slavery, right? Where people were taken against their will, out of their context, without any knowing, and placed under a, a system of oppression. So there was not this same level of race-based oppression I don't think there was the same expectation of property, like you said, ownership of an individual, but there was an intentional, and although I will say sometimes severe, because like you said, we're, we're dealing with culture versus kingdom of God, mm-hmm. even though there was probably severe treatment, which is why Paul has the need of addressing it here, I think that the the race-based oppression that we see in America and sort of the, the, the um, terrorism and the kidnapping that was associated with it is a completely different framework than slaves and masters in the Bible. Mm -hmm. So I think it's necessary, very necessary for Paul to address it and to redeem it. But I think there's a reason that for us, we're talking about it. We're being this parallel between employers and employee Mm -hmm. because there was a work, there was a sort of representation of work that was happening there. Mm -hmm. And that relationship that Paul says, let's redeem it from culture to kingdom. Yes. But it's a totally different framework than the kidnap rape race based oppression mm-hmm. system of slavery that existed in the United States, mm-hmm. which is why we need to own it mm-hmm. and lament it. Yes, amen. So I agree with everything you said. That is exactly how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. And where we are going in this is that this is not a one sided yes. party thing. Mm-hmm. It is relational, and he addresses both roles that interact with each other. There is a spirit of compassion and mutual accountability to Christ. Both parties are subject to Christ and to one another. So let's go through these a little bit um, for the rest of our time, a little bit more in depth. All right. So we get to this space where we are now in verse 18. And so where it says, wives submit to your husbands as if fitting in the Lord. And in verse uh, 19, where it says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. What we see is that there was a Roman precedent for obedience, but Christ won up the law and says, submission, Mm -hmm. submission, wives, and submission is a rooted, willful uh, yielding that is fueled and Mm -hmm. rested in love. Mm -hmm. And then where he says the space of husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them, where there was Roman precedent for objectification. Christ one ups the law and says personalization Mm -hmm. and sacrificial love, which is where we get husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church, which mm-hmm. is in Ephesians, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So looking at verse 20, Leah, yeah. what does verse 20 Yeah, so uh, we're talking like? about this relationship between children and their parents. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. See, Paul reminds his Christian households that the fifth commandment is still relevant. He says, obey your parents as God's given authority to them. And then he also partners that with verse 21, which says, fathers, do not provoke your children, 
lest they become discouraged. So it's not just, as you said, this one-sided sort of expectation towards obedience. Yes, the expectation towards obedience is lifted up, but in the context of a relationship where the fathers are also mutually accountable to God. So he's exhorting fathers not just to be parents out of, in this place of whatever they think is right, but parenting out of how Christ responded to them so that the children are not discouraged, but they're actually encouraged to continue to obey according to the fifth commandment. So there's this mutual role of the relationship. Yes, children are expected to contain and sort of maintain the fifth commandment, but there is this, this mutual working with the fathers in the sense of you want to encourage and inspire your children towards that obedience, not discourage them by provoking them. Right. And I also think just to say this caveat around these verses, because I'm thinking about how it translates culturally and how our culture now is so child centered versus in Roman culture, parents were lording their authority over their children. Mm. We have now gone to a juxtaposition where children are lording their authority and their emotions Mm -hmm. and have even legal rights, Mm -hmm. even legal rights. And for some of us, I don't know who I am encouraging Mm -hmm. with this If you are in this bend of what is happening in our culture, and I see it, I see it in, in, for people who are Christians, who have children, um, in the local Mm -hmm. bodies, as well as, um, in the, in the big capital T capital C where our homes are so child centered that we really are not shepherding our children's hearts and bringing correction Mm -hmm. along with shepherding. Mm -hmm. And so I find it so profound that, that what Paul is saying is no children are still in the need to obey the commands of God and fathers, you are to come alongside so that they understand Mm -hmm. what it means Mm -hmm. as a follower of Christ. Like when you are submitted to Christ, Mm -hmm. What happens is you are willfully wanting to obey. Mm -hmm. That's why we sing the song, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus Mm -hmm. than to trust Mm -hmm. and obey. So there is this parallel of what he is saying. And I think that this is very, very, very important. I just had to get on a slight tangent about this because it's really relevant in our culture. And I think there's, that sort of child centricness in our in the urban setting can just be permissiveness, right? Right. I'm gonna let my child dictate what they do, what technology they use, how yep. how late they go out, whatever. Yeah. And there's not this sort of like I think in maybe other cultures, maybe majority culture, there's this sort of idolizing of your kids where right. they're in the center of everything. Right. But that looks different in the urban in the urban home, I think, mm-hmm. of just this permissiveness. Mm-hmm. So the Lord is as as He is exhorting children to obey. That it sort of is the same exhortation on the parent side of give them something to obey. Give, give them my word. That's it. Give them my commands. That's it. Give them my wisdom mm-hmm. and and hold them accountable to following it. That's right because. 
currently, right? If, if this is Colossae, yeah. so children are not in Christ until they profess. They understand what right. the the gospel is, mm-hmm. right? And so you're holding it out mm-hmm. because you're wanting to show them yeah. you can't keep God's commands, yeah. right? Yeah. Like in the midst of you calling them towards obedience, you're also pointing them and yeah. not in not bringing this provocation. Mm-hmm. Hey, you can't keep God's commands, and this is why you can't right. keep them, and this is why Christ oh, has Jesus. come. And this is why I, in my lovingness, Mm -hmm. am coming alongside you and bringing the correction. Because when we sin, there is a sting. Mm -hmm. And the sting of sin Mm -hmm. should draw us closer to the one who created Mm -hmm. us so that we can ask him to come in and rescue us. Y'all, y'all hear how the... Woo! Parenting in the gospel, y'all. It's so good. Parenting in the gospel. So good. So I'll get off that tangent, but I really want to. There's so much more to be said. I know, I know, but there is so much more to be said. But I want to encourage you if you are bending. Are you, if you are bending as a woman of faith, if you're a brother listening to this podcast mm-hmm. and you are giving your child that permissiveness or they are in the space of running the household, listen, you have an obligate. God is saying you have to obey him yeah. in, in, in correcting and training your children up in the admonition of the Lord. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, verses 22 and 24 through 24, it says, Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. For whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Slaves and bond servants in verses 22 through 24 are called not just to outward obedience, but an obedience that starts in the heart. Mm -hmm. Their work is directly um, and directed to for Christ, not the approval of their master, but it's to and for Christ mm-hmm. for whom they serve. Yeah. And so um, where we see these things of this outward obedience, yeah. Christ invites us towards the inward obedience. obedience. Come on, yeah. heart level, mm-hmm. inward obedience mm-hmm. that pours itself outward in submission. Leah, mm-hmm. talk to us about yeah. verse 25. Going into verse 25, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. And that echoes even, we've heard that phrase, no partiality, um, or we'll hear it in the book of James. But this is there's this sense of like, there is partiality sort of superiority has been abolished where there was partiality there is now mutuality Mm -hmm. and a responsibility towards both parties so it's not again this sort of one-way relational street but it's a two-way street that's right there is a responsibility and sort of a mutual accountability even for employers as their earthly masters to submit again to the lord and to be just because in God's economy, there is no slave or master. That's it. That's there it. Is, there is one and all. And Paul even echoes this in Ephesians where he says, be um, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's right. There is a reverence for Christ then as an employer that you have to think of 
as you think about how to treat your employees. And then it flows, of course, um, closing out with the masters in verse four and one, Mm -hmm. where the master had no accountability. Christ now says, you have a master, the master of all, the one who is all and in all, Mm -hmm. and he will hold you accountable for how you treat your workers. Mm -hmm. So here we are, Mm -hmm. we're landing the plane, And what is some of our reflection and application? We've talked Mm. about how this flushes Mm. out Mm -hmm. and what we see in our culture today. Mm -hmm. Leah, land this plane for us in some reflection and application. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think even as we track back to this concept of slaves and masters that we unpacked a little bit on that tangent, Mm -hmm. thank you for going with us on that tangent. Mm -hmm. I think there is is a hope, a hopefulness that God's justice is not delayed Mm -hmm. or it it may seem like it's delayed, but it's never late and it's always full. And so we can we can take um, take heart in the fact that for the places in history where we have seen masters treat slaves unjustly, that their master then has judgment upon them. Mm-hmm. And mercy, God, for, for lest we find ourselves in that same position where we are treating people unjustly, mm-hmm. let's not step out of that paradigm as well. Mm-hmm. But also, I think even as we track back to um, these passages about the family. Yes. There are things in our very family cultures that don't reflect Christ. Yes. I think about so often I thought about this. Um, do not provoke your children. There is in, especially in the urban context, just this, these, um, these patterns, these sort of generational patterns of, of harshness sometimes Mm -hmm. and and using words to break down children instead Mm -hmm. of build them up. Yes. And so I think even let's look at the patterns and generational habits of our families. Mm -hmm. Can we break that in the name of Christ to actually encourage our children Mm -hmm. and spur them on to obedience to Christ Mm -hmm. instead of squashing or squelching them with our words? Yeah. So I think looking at our family culture and finding the ways that don't actually reflect Christ Mm -hmm. and asking him to come in, transform and redeem those places mm-hmm. so that how we relate to our people, mm-hmm. how we relate to our employees mm-hmm. actually does reflect Christ instead yes. of culture. Yes. And I also want to say this because when this podcast actually comes out, I think we will be a week away from a post that one yeah. of our writers wrote for us, Francine Hollis, around um, women considering divorce. Mm. And um, in reading that article, she points right back to the gospel and to me even is an echo of what um, uh, Christ has done for us, but also is an echo of what we are talking about here today. And so I don't want to dismiss that for women who are listening to this podcast and are in a uh, marital covenant union Mm -hmm. with a husband who is not walking with the Lord, um, who is not being in obedience to Christ, um, I want to encourage you today that um, God has your back according to um, the scriptures even around this because when we read this text, it talks about this mutual submission. So I can hear some of us who have hard marriages saying, "Um, but hold up, what if he's not walking Mm -hmm. in willful mutual submission to Mm -hmm. Christ? Well, here is the exhortation that Paul gives in another level, Mm -hmm. uh, in another letter, letter he says, listen, women, um, I, I encourage you and I exhort you to submit your 
yourselves still to Christ and submit yourselves to your husbands, even if they do not obey the word so that they may be one without a word by your pure and gentle conduct. Paul is still covering all of this. And he's saying, listen, I know that some of you are going to be linked up. Okay, in covenantal union with some 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 brothers who are not walking in mutual submission, and he invites you to literally still submit to the submission of Christ, yeah. and that your obedience may be won without a word by your pure and gentle conduct. Mm-hmm. And so he's inviting you. Some of you are literally invited to carry the cross of Jesus yeah. through suffering in a hard marriage. And I really want to encourage you, Christ sees you. Yes. You are taking on the cross of Christ in this. And he's saying, And still giving you to the exhortation to obey, Mm -hmm. to trust and obey Mm -hmm. for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Mm -hmm. So I just had to say that brief exhortation. Mm -hmm. So what are those things, ladies, um, that, that we are, are called to reflect and how does being in the body of Christ transform and redefine how we relate within our families, how we relate with our employees, okay? How does this play out? Yeah. And I think where we can literally land ourselves, if mm-hmm. we could just start right there, which is checking ourselves, ourselves. first yep. on yep. our submission to Christ mm-hmm. and then going back to what we talked about in the first part of Colossians, yeah. that are we really seeking and setting our minds so that we can submit to Christ in all things? If we are not doing that, the number one, we need to confess and repent. Mm-hmm. And then two, we need to look to Jesus. Mm-hmm. We need to bond hold Jesus to seek him and then to ask him to help us set our minds on him for the glory of his name so that we can willfully yield ourselves and submit to him Mm -hmm. and living faithfully in our everyday lives. Leah, do you have anything to add to that? I think that's everything. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, God is so good. I Mm -hmm. think it's just so beautiful because we are always always called to submit to Christ. And in that submission, he is guaranteeing us that transformation in these relationships will happen. They will happen. Our relationships with our spouses will be transformed. Our relationship in our workplaces will be transformed. Our relationship with our children and even our parents, even Mm -hmm. as adult children will Mm -hmm. be transformed Yes, In, in this sort of concept of if we are mutually submitting to Christ and if we are honoring the image of God in one another, these places will be transformed. So I'm thankful for that. Let me pray for us. Yes. And um, yeah, Father, I am just so, so grateful. We are always grateful that you bring us to your word and that you allow us to feast heartily on mm-hmm. a word that has come from you, mm-hmm. that is rich and is transformative for our very lives. Yes, Lord. I thank you that you don't leave it in sort of these abstract places, but that you come down into yes, our Lord. very nitty gritty mechanics yes, of relationships yes, in, under our household and say, I want this to be mine. Mm-hmm. I 
wanted to look like me and I wanted to be transformed for my mm. glory. And we say yes, Lord. Yes, we Lord. We say yes in May submission so, to Lord. you. Yes, because we Lord. know that what you have for us is good. We know that what you have for us is life. There yes. is life in you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so we ask that you would bring that life into these relationships. Yes. Bring that life into these spaces so that we can see the mark of transformation. Yes. Where the image of God is lifted up in us, Lord. Mm-hmm. We thank you for your goodness. And we yes, thank Lord. you that you will continue to lead us mm-hmm. to be urban Christian women that live transformationally and faithfully according to your word. Mm-hmm. And we lift these things up in his name. Amen. 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 Have a blessed day, ladies.